Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, and welcome to the dark forest. It's Jackie Cation. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. Mike Rickberg just sang the song you just heard. He'll sing again at the end. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. And Vilmos fixes the website. So those are the websites. You can, if you'd like, get merch at any time of the day or night at JackieCation.com on, at the, in the store. And you can do the donation button, but not till January. Here in December, please donate to your local food bank or hurricane relief or some dude in front of 7-Eleven and do that. Help a, help a neighbor. Anyway, but in January, feel free to donate. And if you want to order gifts or stuff, there's t-shirts. There's the Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt. There's the new The Dork Forest t-shirt by Brett Chambers. And I have seven hooded sweatshirts. I got seven extras, two each of small, two of medium, one large, one XL. Feel free to order those on the store as well. Oh, keep an eye out for dates. Live Dork Forest, December 20th in Los Angeles. Live Dork Forest, January 12th in New York City. And Live Dork Forest in Toronto, Canada, January 17th or 18th. Something like that. But go to the schedule page and figure it out. Enjoy the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest, sitting in my living room. Uh, Craig Shoemaker, who I've only seen, well, I was on your podcast, and now you're on my podcast, and your podcast is, what is your podcast called? The Craig Shoemaker Hour? It's called Laugh It Off with Craig Shoemaker. Laugh It Off with yeah. Craig Shoemaker, it's all right. It's about the healing powers of laughter and trying to get out of your stuckness by finding levity and humor in your life. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Which uh, many people seem to need. <laughs> and uh, you ever and- been to Facebook during the political season? <laughs> <laughs> need a few laughs there. Definitely, oh. I have to say that um, that I never um, like. There's some people who are like it's so great to laugh, and I'm like, when wouldn't you be laughing? Why wouldn't you always be laughing? Most people don't. That's not the agenda. Just look at the, look at the programming on television. Finally, sitcoms are making a comeback. Remember when you sat around? There's a, a lot of Dexter. There's a, a lot of murder mysteries yeah, happening. I mean, or how many CSIs or how many cadavers are going to see carved I'll up? I'll tell you something, and they're looking more and more real. I have no idea what they're preparing us for. <laughs> I take it the walking dead. I, I understand they're preparing us for the zombie apocalypse, but that, yeah, I it mean, all that, looks so that's what real, we're like gravitating towards. But remember when you were growing up, uh, a night of CBS sitcoms of Mary Tyler Moore and uh, all mm-hmm. in the family. Sure. You're a lot younger than I am, but you know, this yes, is what, I'm, this, I'm easily in my twenties. This is what I had. Growing up, as you sat with your family and you bonded through laughter, that was that's the most sustainable thing you could have. I don't know why we don't even relationships. I think people are watching that's, Two and a Half Men. Yeah, they are. I guess until yesterday <laughs> when he came out and <laughs> as, as basically said only, it's filth, and I found Jesus with Kurt Cameron and Stephen Baldwin. See what it did for their careers. <laughs> did he find it with them? No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay, because he, fo- he found him to the check mean with Jesus, them. though, right? He yeah. found like a crazy, crazy Jesus. Yeah, that involves it, it works for Gary Busey, so I guess it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna help wow. this kid. Is Gary Busey religious? Oh, he went that way. And, and wanted he, everybody to know it. And then didn't he find the needle again? What happened? <laughs> Wasn't that his thing? Or he's doing a needle in church, so he's kind of combining <laughs> them. With uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't understand why more people don't uh, search for this. If you remember all the great times in your life, it wasn't from seeing a zombie or a cadaver. It was when you were laughing. And I it used to watch uh, Hollywood Squares. Oh my with, gosh! With my Paul Lind. Yeah, and yeah, that, and I wrote him letters. I wrote Paul Lynn two letters at CBS Studios. Or Did you really? Yeah, because my mom would laugh at him, and she thought he was cute. Mm-hmm. And she read an article we were in Parade Magazine. That's the magazine we always read that he sure. was a confirmed bachelor. Right, and he just couldn't find the right woman. And I figured my mom was it. Right. Because she was lonely, but she wasn't lonely when Paul Lynn came on the screen, and we would bond with laughter. I still remember some of his. Yeah, you Did know, your say, mom? Paul, how many balls in a billiard table? Like, I don't know how many guys are playing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who knew that might have been a little indication? And he was bye bye birdie. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted him to be my father. Mm-hmm. 
and because uh, he he seemed incredibly fun and nice. A didn't fun, he? nice. He, he he could loan my mother his ascot. <laughs> you know. Well, and very dapper as well. Oh, I mean, he was but dapper. Hello. <laughs> I loved him on Bewitched. He was Uncle Arthur. But I sure. grew up with this guy, and I thought this guy I want to be my father. And my mom would laugh, and my mom never, you know. As opposed was, to Charles Nelson Riley, quite honestly. Charles I, I, Nelson Riley was. Uh, he I seems was, more of a dick. Yeah. And uh, I, oh, I didn't. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I can just say I can't see him being my father. Take the trash. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Muir. Oh. I wasn't into the show that he was on. Most right. to Mrs. Muir. Then he was Match Game. I just oh, right. wasn't as into that. I was Match into Paul Lynn. And my dream was that we would be the first father and son team. On the Hollywood squares. Like oh, okay. we would sit in the booth together you know, okay. in a little box. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like Craig and Paul Lynn for the win, please. Sure, sure. <laughs> you take this one, son. This one's yours, dad. <laughs> it's about makeup. I mean, this is what my dream was. And I right? ended up on the Hollywood squares. I did like 75 episodes in the new Hollywood squares. Whoopie. Oh, really? Were you taped five a day? And yeah, you, you did you a bunch of them, right? A bunch of them in a day. You brought a bunch of different colored shirts. It was so surreal. It was surreal to me because this was my dream in life. And here it right, was right, manifesting, weird. although Paul Lynn is dead. Right. And, and he was I was not never on. the center square. I moved around, though. They moved me around. I was I was Waylon and Madam. I was Jan Murray. <laughs> all those. Wow. I was Rosemarie. Wow. So you have memorized where those oh, people sat. You, know, every, you couldn't tell me. In, in five years of watching that show, I could tell you where everyone sat. Wow. You know, Charlie Weaver down to the left, you know, Jan Murray was always like a, a square that they didn't call on as much because he was like, it wasn't as good a square. And then Rosemary was at the top looking down at me. I mean, <laughs> I was, I idolized. They were like uh, my heroes. Yeah. Wally Cox. Wally Cox. Well, now, was who really, was? He was really tight with Marlon Brando. I don't know if you knew that. They were best friends in Nebraska. Well, I remember when I was a kid watching those shows like Match Game and Hollywood Squares yeah. and going, so these are supposed to be famous people sitting there, but right. they were more just working actors or uh, famous people adjacent. Or they were famous for being on Hollywood Squares. Well, eventually they became I mean, super famous for just being on Hollywood that, Squares. Oh, no, right? Exactly. Which I I was in between all of it because I'm not a celebrity. So I was always Craig Shoemaker to block. I mean, <laughs> one time I'm looking on the monitor. I'm the only way to go. She's like... I'll take Antonio Baderas to lose. Wow. <laughs> Anything but try to say Shoemaker, which is an easy name, but people put the Bobcat umlaut Goldthwait. on there. Bobcat Goldthwait tells that story about how he got kicked off the show. Oh, when he started he? screaming at someone, he he said he claims that he genuinely yelled at her, you stupid bitch, do you not know how to play tic-tac-toe? <laughs> and uh, he was removed. He was uh, removed from the game. And uh, I saw uh, she went for the loss, and, you know, with me. She totally went for the loss totally because she loss. wanted to she talk to Antonio Banderas. <laughs> As opposed to Craig Shoemaker, you're trying to pronounce the name. People always put a umlaut on there, like I'm on the, off the boat from Bavaria. Oh, the Shoemaker? It's just a Shoemaker, but they make him acker. Oh so, really? I guess. Why do they ethnic it up when it's know. so they, very, they choke very under clean? Pressure, it's you know. a clean name, and it's as like, a comic, it's, you it's want like, a real. It's a like nice, your name. I yeah. told you on the way here. I'm, uh, even Siri tried to ethnic you up. People will try to ethnic up Cation all the time. Yeah, like, it's, uh, like welcome to yes, Cashian Cashian's carpet. Cashian, we are going to <laughs> we're we're going to sell you something. It's going to be what what do I have to do to get you to take a car today to get up to leave this house with a vehicle? Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, that was a dream. And you know how the, some dreams manifest themselves. They take a little different path. Yeah. And that's what happened with me is I ended up on the Hollywood Squares. Never got the dad that I wanted. No, you know, no, I, no, no. I wrote to him and I also used to write to baseball players. Wait, did you ever hear back from his people or anything? No, no. I wrote two letters, put my mom's photo in. Apparently I should have put mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that you, it's like a, you've got mail kind of situation. Is it you've got mail? No, I'm thinking of the other one. What's that? That uh, they're in with the Empire oh, State Building. Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. Sleepless in Seattle. That's it, Sleepless in Seattle. Why well, was that kid? I right. mean, I really identify with that because I wanted my mom to meet somebody, really. And, uh, you know, I had selfish motives, like um, mm-hmm. with Paul Lynn, it was comedy. And, you know, I figured this yeah, guy's yeah. going to make me laugh all the time. Right. And he'll take good care of my mother. We could sing Bye Bye Birdie tunes together. Sure. I love theater. Mm-hmm, Perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. What a great dad. And then I wrote to Tim McCarver. I was a catcher from the for the Philadelphia Phillies. Did you grow up in uh, Pennsylvania? I grew up in Philadelphia, in and Philadelphia. I would read their cards, uh-huh. and I didn't care what they hit. All I cared about was it said S for single. <laughs> I could literally, like an idiot savant, I could recite 
wives' names from the 1973 Phillies. I could tell you. Wow. Larry You're like, Bo- well, they already live in Philadelphia. Well, we're in Philadelphia. And I, and I could have a catch with them. <laughs> oh, and man. So I didn't care if they were married, though. They got, I would literally erase them. I had a ruler. I still have it, by the way, of the 1973 Phillies. And I erased their faces on the ruler if they were married. I didn't uh. want them. Yeah, like uh, Larry Boas with Shana yeah. Boa. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're still married, but he was married sure. to a woman named Shane. I remember it clearly. But Tim McCarver was traded mm-hmm. to my Phillies from the Cardinals. And I'm going, Mom, Mom, look, look. She goes, he doesn't want an old bag like me. I'll never forget her saying that. Oh, oh, Meanwhile, she was probably 32 at the right, time. Right. He doesn't want an old bag like me. And I, I said, look, he's single and he's good looking and he's a catcher. And he can teach me how to pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wrote him a letter and I got it through to somebody who knew the mascot. Of the wow. Phillies and but they never got it to him. So now cut to mm-hmm. probably four years ago. Uh, Joe Buck is his broadcasting partner. Tim McCarver became a huge broadcaster. He does all okay. the World Series games. Is your mother still with us? Yeah, she okay. is. She's still uh, single. No, no, she's, no, she's married, she's married. Married to uh, an accountant, Sidney right. Zamuchnik. And, Zemuchnik? Uh, that's his name, Zemuchnik. That's the ethnic. finest. You can't eth- not ethnic. You've got to ethnic that. There's no not <laughs> Zemuchnik. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, but she, he never wrote me back. So I got to know uh, Joe Buck is his broadcast partner for all right. the World Series on Fox. Uh, Tim McCarver became this. I never met him. Right. And I meet a lot of celebrities. But yeah, I met yeah. Joe Buck came to my show and he laughed. He loved the show. Mm-hmm. I told him the story. And the next thing I know, I got a ball. Uh- and it's a baseball, a baseball signed baseball from Tim McCarver. And it says the following, dear son. Oh my time God. Time to grow oh, up. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Love dad, <laughs> aka Tim McCarver. Wow. Those are some serious father issues. Yeah. I got, the, I, I definitely have my dad yeah, now. He's yeah, still yeah. alive. He's a cult leader and he, he runs. Oh, he is own, he? He has his own. He calls it his harem. He's a harem of women. Uh, calls it his harem. I mean, this wow. is something that. And a lot of people. So he's, know he's not really hiding that he's in a cult. No, it's where, not where even in he? a cult. It's a. It's in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, which is like he's the, in Pennsylvania, the blue collar honeymoon capital of the Northeast, with the sure. big sure. We have 10 Wisconsin Dells. Oh, do you have the ten foot high champagne j- glass jacuzzi tubs? Sure, sure. And the then room. like a heart shaped bed, heart shaped pool heart, in the room. Oh, sure, in sure. A little jacuzzi, of course. Yeah. Why not? Why well, not? Nice red brocade curtains, and you're like, are you going to do both the upper and lower Dells tours? Completely ridiculous, right? Upper, and, and they even carpet the ceiling in red. <laughs> it's, it's the most disgusting room you've ever seen. So he lives there. He lives there in right that next area. to the honeymoon uh, cottages or mm-hmm. uh, hotel rooms. And he runs mule rides. He takes the honeymooners on mule rides. He has like 75 mules. Comics have the best families ever. <laughs> ever. Holy crap. He's a mule mule. Oh, and that's, and that's among many guy. of his... Uh, oh, sure. Nobody careers it. Nobody no. says, hey, he, I want to grow up and run mule rides. This one's long-lasting, though. This lasted longer than his bra business. Oh, that he had a bra bust, business. No, no pun intended. Uh, that went bust. He converted uh, cesspools to sewers at one time. And I was, well, I was that's, visiting. he's giving back. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had to visit him during that era. That was great. I'm underneath of homes in Cape May, New Jersey, converting like, cesspools to sewers. I'll with give a little you 50 shovel. bucks. We're going to help you out. And uh, so, he paid me in cashews when I would visit him. Literally. That's why this brings back a lot of memories. You had cashews here for me. That's right. That's how my dad, the only money he ever gave me was uh, cashews. Wow. I told him I liked them and he would make me be an estimator for the plumbing business. And oh, and then uh, one time I caught a shark. Next thing you know, he's eating. He goes, "This is good meat." Hmm. Wait, you, know you caught it, it, it. I caught a shark. I was in. visiting him, and obviously, you always see his wheels churning. He's one mm-hmm. of those dreamers. This is good meat. Ugh. He goes, uh, "Recreation is the number one industry in the world. We're going to have shark boats. I got a book here, and it says I can pick up these boats." He goes, "I'm not exaggerating." Right. <laughs> and now I'm visiting him for one summer. It's the only time I ever spent with him. He left when I was born. Right. We take a Mack truck down to Norfolk, Virginia from Cape May, New Jersey, where he bought his old beach. Okay. And we ended up in a shipyard in Norfolk, Virginia. The welding's going on all night long. I'm sleeping in a shipyard in a car. Right. With some fat man. He stuck me in this guy's car, snoring. I'm trying to get out. He bought landing crafts. You know those things in Normandy, like Saving Private Ryan, yeah, with yeah. a bunch of guys, and the, the doors open. The doors open on the yeah. beach. So, so, so they work both on the land and the sea. Correct. He bought six of them to make shark boats. <sighs> he goes, you "We're going to go out fishing yeah, for sharks. We'll go shark boat excursions, and you'll run the bait shop with your sister." 
And, uh, with your sister. Yeah. Oh, he's got a whole plant. So now we. Wait, is, we, he, is your sister older? She, th- this one's younger. Younger. Yeah, okay. And, and he, but he's got the plan now. He goes, just patch up the bullet holes. They'll be good as new. He got them for like 50 bucks. They're from World War II. Wow. He buys this beach where you needed a machete. You take the machete. There's horseshoe crabs, which are like prehistoric. You've never seen right. anything so ugly. And you get there, and it looks like the invasion of Tarawa. He's got six of these boats that we towed <laughs> and put in the water in this little beach called Reed's Beach he outside had, of Cape he May. He bought a beach. Bought a little beach, and he bought these landing crafts. He barters. That's what he does. He Okay. Goes, hey, I'll put it into a cesspool of sewer for right. you to make the connection. You right, give right. me some beach property. And he's going to run these, he's going to run these, uh, He's going to run these things, you know, right. into, and make them into shark boats. Sure. So that's his dream. And then next thing you know, it's mules. He doesn't right. get one. He's got 75 mules. One time I went up, I'm hanging out with his harem. I go, where's the TV? I'm bored. They go, your dad traded it for a mule. <laughs> so I oh my go God. out and watch the mule. <laughs> so how old is he? Seventies? Hey, yeah, seventies. And, uh, okay. he's, and he's still a handsome going. fella? Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, he's got some sort of charisma. He had a mother daughter at one time. He's got this whole harem. As a matter of fact, I know that he's has a reputation there because I was getting a tour of the Poconos. Mm-hmm. I was playing Caesars. Okay. You know, I, I got my name in lights. I'm playing the Poconos. It's Caesars, you know, Caesars Palace, but they're in the Poconos. Anyway, yeah. the guy's giving me the tour. And uh, he had no idea. He thought I was some Hollywood guy. Right. That I didn't even know about Pennsylvania. So he's like, <laughs> over here, you got your racquetball. If you want to, if you're off during the day, you want to play coits. Hey, have you ever heard of coits there? And I go, uh, yeah, I know, I know a coits. He goes, oh my gosh, there's AJ Shoemaker in his harem. What's that nut doing here? And I got to say these words. That's my dad. Oh my God. <laughs> and here's my dad. I hadn't seen him in years. The city guy, all of a sudden is country man. He's got the big belt buckle, looks like WWF champion wow. with about six of his harem. Okay. So he doesn't he- miss a beat. Hasn't seen me in years. He goes, Ugh. Look at his cheese tray. He takes my complimentary <laughs> cheese tray. He goes, we'll take it back to the ranch. The girls will love this. Got your Gouda. Free cheese. So he took my cheese tray. <laughs> and you're like, well, how much cheese, really? It was uh, a big, giant cheese tray. I was all excited. I love free stuff. Sometimes it's a burden. It's a, it's, it's a burden. Yeah, keep all that have. cheese over the, over for a few days. Or what, how many, gig. how many, how many ladies are in his, we aren't going to get to the yeah, Wizard 12. of Oz, by yeah, the way. 12. He has a, a, a nice dozen. Is that for the bunk bed well, situation now, it's, or it's, what? It's dwindled. It's dwindled. They keep leaving and he gets upset by it. He can't understand why they would. And he always has like a lackey guy with tools in the shed and he does like stuff like that. But the women run the mules and take you on the rides. It was really, it, it was really kind of a cool thing. I mean, I did it. I've sure. done it for years. I take my family there and go visit. Oh, them, and, but and visit them. And- it's been a while, though. It's been a while. But my both my parents don't speak to me uh, for years now. Oh, so. to you? To you? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. do too many bits on them. Yeah, or? they're out on that. <laughs> is it? Uh, was it the material or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, sure. Yeah. I just tell the truth, though. I mean, right, right. Everything I told you today, there's zero. Zero right, right. You don't have to embellish. No, no, no. The, there's the, the Paul Lynn. The, the, you know, my mom belly danced at my high school graduation party. That's a whole other hey, issue. My mom danced at the what was called Come the Persian on. Market. Uh, it was a it was a high school um, oh. where everybody like would bring in their lutefisk because I'm from Wisconsin. So there were a lot of Swedes, a lot of Norwegians, a lot of Poles. So every, there would be different um, like tables of the of the nations. Right. There was an Armenian one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then there would be dancing. And my stepmother, my mother of uh-huh. since I was seven. Yeah. Uh, Took belly dancing classes and yeah. she started to dance out with these two other women. So she's in public doing. She's this. in public. She danced at the Persian market uh, when my sister was probably a senior in high school. I was a, so that make me a a sophomore. And I, Darla, was like, "Yeah, not a chance in hell am I watching this." And so, <laughs> and we had to deal with her practicing every Saturday morning. I know that that's what I come from. What? All right. So my mom, all of a sudden, she became Shahrazad. Do you that remember was her new the, name was Shahrazad? She called herself Shahrazad, Shahrazad and she had eight by tens done. And, and oh, yeah, they in, had in the in well, these glowing outfits. Oh yeah, she danced alone. She had a little uh, you the, know, the belly roll with those finger symbols. Sure, the finger symbols and veils. And then sure. and ding, ding, ding. all of a sudden, she bought us a keg for my graduation. Mm-hmm. And my friends wanted her. By the way, they well, all sure. wanted her. Because she was like the you know divorcee, like the they hot. figure she's not getting any. Right, she's you know, the hottest mom in, in town. Hottest mom in town, not only right. hot but divorced. So right. they're thinking so she's available. Gonna, she's going to want me. 
One time I did a recording with me and my buddies. We were getting stoned. We did a recording, and the entire recording, all you hear is Don Dolan in the background going, Shoo, where's your lady at? Where's your lady at, Shoo? Shoo, where's your lady at? Where's your lady at, Shoo? He repeats it like Rain Man. And she bought us the keg, and I will never forget this as long as I live, descending down the steps with the turntable going, she comes down the steps, I have a little treat for you and your friends. And they're like, Mrs. Oh, so I talk about that sometimes in my act. And because she, you're emotionally she, scarred. She wrote a cease and desist order. And, oh, did you know, she oh, really? Yeah, she got a restraint. Here's the greatest the thing, thing about my Here family. I am talking about my family <laughs> is a big fan of my dad. Always goes, well, forget you work. <laughs> and he's like, if it pays, you knock yourself out. I always yeah. tell people it's a caricature. And I was like, you do that, pop. And uh, right. But, but Nancy, Nancy had the the album was called um, "Make Your Husband a Sultan." <laughs> that was the name of the album. I'll put it in the links. But that's crazy. And and ironically, my father calls his thing a harem. That, that is that's, weird. That's really odd. I never and the shoemakers never made that connection. Not Middle Eastern. No, not. Yeah. Not, what is what is the ancestry of the shoemaker? Shoemaker Swiss, I believe. Is I, it? I don't know a lot about my background because my dad. My, like I said, my dad. I can't get. You know what? My my son. Right. My middle son, who's uh, seven at the time, he's eight now, but he called him Grandpa Al. And actually found out more about him than I ever knew. Because he loves his, he doesn't well, yeah. love them like, like, loves he's, them enough to see loves them. Loves them enough to go, to go, hey, to answer your kids questions. and answer the questions. So he goes, I'm doing a report for school and I found out all about my background. I had no idea. He met his father once and it was in a sanitarium. And wow. when he was five years old. So now. Here that, in the that, States that, though? Like, like. That was here in the was, States, he, yeah. His dad was, your dad was born this was in, in the Philadelphia States. also. And it turns out he grew up poor like I did, you know. Right. And, uh, I used to think the word evict meant move. Like they were the same word. Like, <laughs> look, mommy, here's the eviction truck. I mean, I just thought that. Uh, sure. Evict, that's how you get, that's how you leave, you know. We lived in a lot of different homes, but he lived, um, with these rich people in a, uh, above a garage with his mom and her parents. And the father, he only met one time. He waved at him through a window of a sanitarium. And he told my son that. I'm going, wow, this is. Wow. I wish he'd talk to me about this. Yeah, stuff, yeah. Because you know? then you're just like, well, like, because, and th- was his father born in this country? Like, is, is yeah, your oh, knowledge sure. that everybody's been here? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no accent. Fucking with the, in- with the Indians yeah, for the I, last hundred years or yeah. whatever? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I found one time I found uh, this print in Philadelphia, the Shoemaker Mansion. Believe me, <laughs> that thing's been long burned down. <laughs> But yeah, it's this print from the 1700s. And we okay, actually, maybe you were making shoes back then, your people. Oh yeah, sure. Sure. Why, why wouldn't it be, uh, right? Well, of course. Little cobblers. I was told the Cation means son of a priest in Armenian. <laughs> I don't believe them. Uh, it <laughs> came from my father. That'd Who be knows? the first thing I would Google. Come on, now with Google, we have all the answers. You don't have to believe our <laughs> yeah. ancestors. No, nothing's to passed on anymore by, you know, minstrels, you know, traveling minstrels. No, no there's it's no all, oratory. Just go to Google. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> no oratory uh, pattern. I think all the answers. It's funny, though, is that um, I have looked up, like, my father's a big guy for, he'll make up a story in a heartbeat, right? And so he told me that Abraham Lincoln once punched a man. On the steps of the White House. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could never find it on Google. And so I go to him, hey, Pop, is that story true? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. Good one, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I don't. I spent my life believing this. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, and because he set me up more than once. He would. T- he, I remember in college I studied poli sci and yeah. he goes, well, you know, over half of the Politburo in the Soviet Union is uh, Armenian. And so I go to my poli sci professor and my poli sci professor is like, yeah, no, no, not ever. Uh, all of the Politburo, every single time, entirely Russian. Always Russian, run by Russians. It will always be Russian, will never not be Russian. And I was like, God damn, he's going to set me up. Now. This is, oh, yeah. He's, he thinks, but you know, you just let him think it. Well, and he thinks it's hilarious. So, cause I go to him, I'm like, Dad, you totally set me up. And he's like, yeah, well, oh, maybe. he did this on purpose. Oh no! Well, there's well, the first comedy in the family. Well, and that's well. The <laughs> thing is, is he's, jokes he's like, you. well, now you know you got to check your sources, don't you? Now, now you got to <laughs> find a, you got to find a, you got to find a thing, right? <laughs> he's teaching you a lesson. This is like Mark Twain he's shit. He's always teaching us a lesson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Knock yourself out. Okay, so we're 20 minutes in. You're, I mean, I knew it. You've been doing stand up for a thousand years. Yeah, you do radio, long time, long time. You're plug and play. But um, I do want to know, because I just saw The Wizard of Oz. You did? Oh, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it today. I have several things I'm dorked out on, but Wizard of Oz is is definitely... Comes to the fore. Yeah. 
which is odd because my other one is Les Miserables. I'm a huge, huge Les Mis guy. And there's and a I movie wrote to coming Paul out, right? Oh, did you hear about that? <laughs> did I hear about it? Did I hear about it? I just it? heard about are it. You, are you seriously? Yeah. I'm I'm bawling my eyes out at the previews. Right. I sat okay. with Rosie O'Donnell outside New York where she lives. We went to see another movie, and mm-hmm. the, that's all we could talk about is Les Mis is coming up. Right, right. I'm going to be in line like they do for Harry Potter, and the I'll be dressed as Javert. <laughs> I mean, that's how much I'm into it. I'm going to put soot on my face. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to go full on in costume, like at midnight. You know, I always thought these people were nuts for Star Wars and right, right. Harry Potter. I'm that for Les Mis. For Les Mis, oh, you're yeah. on board. And you know what I was I was thinking about French this. Revolution, right? Yeah, Remind French, me, it's uh, a French Revolution. And it's uh, almost everyone dies in that one. It's basically the story of the fugitive. The fugitive took that from Les Mis because it's about this guy who is innocent. And there's a, you know, you remember the detective that's obsessed with getting. Yeah. yeah, And the one our man. And we're going to search in every outhouse, whorehouse, henhouse. Just saw (laughs) that. Dr. Richard Kimball. (laughs) Well, Dr. Richard Kimball is basically Jean Valjean, who is innocent of these charges. And uh, the guy is obsessed with finding him. And then he becomes another identity. And it's this beautiful story, though. French revolutions in the background. And you've got, you know, oh, okay. so it's a murder mystery. There's going to be a legitimate child. Are there I boobs? Mean, uh, I don't know if they'll show boobs. I've already seen Anne Hathaway's Beaver in another movie, so I'm all set with that. But she's in it. You too. are slightly. She plays uh, the virtuous Fontaine who kept herself so pure and clean. <laughs> I mean, I am I'm crazy about this, and I I know all the words to the female parts. Right, right. Yeah, which makes me uh, back to the other thing is it's really odd that I you know no one can see me right now. Right. But I'm like as as straight white male as you get. Yeah, yeah. You, you are. Know? You should be on that. a baseball card yourself right here. As far as like a guy with that haircut. Yeah, why don't you you're describe like, you to look the like people what you see? The, this not, guy, you if know. I were to meet you, I'm like, oh, there's Craig Shoemaker. Uh, that guy's married. Uh, he probably has two and a half, three and a half kids. And uh, right. married probably 12 to 20 years. And uh, right. his wife, very fit, probably does Pilates. <laughs> and uh, you work out, I think. Uh, probably. Oh, so and, and uh, some you, of those things you got right. Working out, and I work out once a year. Oh, do you? Just January second, when I join a new club. That's the last time I see me. <laughs> <laughs> you slipped a little ball in, and it's <laughs> the last time I see. And <laughs> so, but because because you seem very fit. You I'm seem, not that uh, fit, but I take this uh, juice. That's what makes me fit. Oh, it's that juice that you advertise on your own show, right there, right? Uh no, no, actually we don't. But uh, I do take this juice for years, and it's. Oh, made when me, I was on, you were advertising. Maybe I juice. talked about it. No, that. Was pure that was a milk. That was pure cleanse. No, that was because of uh, we're trying to get them as a sponsor. This is a juice that won't be sponsoring us, but it is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It keeps me fit. And also the kids that you named. It's, it actually, it's, it's about right. It's between two and a half and three and a half. It's three. It's three, three children. Three sons. Uh, have been boys. married that long and divorced and all that. But I was okay. talking about the look of me as a very straight male. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and oh, most yeah. people are even intimidated by uh, a white guy. Right, right. I've had that happen in my past. Whereas it turns out, the underneath me is completely different. I'm obsessed with The Wizard of Oz and Les Mis. <laughs> I love musicals. Right. And so, like, you're the gayest straight man in the world. Exactly. That's I'm it. I'm the gayest straight man in the world. I can't. I. Did I you sing, enjoy the Gilmore Girls? I don't know if you. I can't go that far. <laughs> Won't go that far. But I, then my, again, no, I don't watch much television. My my very straight brother who owns every season. Of oh, the Gilmore wow. Girls. Yes. He's he on board. Get together. He would like Maybe it. He'll actually. go with me on the first night of Les Mis. <laughs> he Midnight, might. Christmas. Come on. And he loves the ladies. So anyway. He loves the ladies? He well, actually, them. when you think about it, if you are into musicals, that could be a way to the ladies, as long as they don't think you're gay. Right, right. And the thing is, is if you are in, in, in musical camp as a straight man, oh. you're going to get some action. Tell me about it. When I was in college. Yep. Oh, doing theater? Did I you do theater? theater? Well, in high school, I didn't. I went out for football. As you're told to do, and sure. you get your in Philly, you get your ass kicked if you go out for the theater. Oh. I have visuals, these really clear memories of peeking into the theater was such. I would long to be on that stage. Right, right. And I would like watch. And one year, I actually did lights for Stop the World. I want to get off. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I want to be up there, but yeah. I couldn't do it because I get my ass kicked. I was really little growing up too. Oh, okay. You I was were the kind last of a, one a little with puberty. Oh, okay. I, I had no pubic hair. Sixteen years old. I'm in showers. It was a nightmare. Can you call it a male beaver? 
No, I'm just. No, I didn't earlier. have any beaver going on. <laughs> no beaver. They shaved the beaver until All college. I had was I'm in the showers. It looked like a wall switch. That's what I had going on down there. I'm you know trying to soap up. I'm turning on and off the lights. All right. So this is this is what I got. I mean, I was the last one. Puberty. I was really small, but I wouldn't go out for that theater. But I finally did when I went away to college, and and sure enough, where'd you go to school? Well, this I at first I went away far away. I went to California University of Pennsylvania. It's 300 miles from Philadelphia, which is good enough. That, yeah, yeah. That no one knows you. Yeah, you know what? That, that's so at I, least four hours. Let's get five hours. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of nowhere. And you know, I had to hitchhike. Remember hitchhiking? I, yeah, I <laughs> no one does that anymore. <laughs> right. I and, told my son, I go, I used to hitchhike. He goes, what the hell is that? You know, he has no <laughs> idea what hitchhiking is. But I would hitchhike to school and I had a new identity. I could be as, as anybody you wanted. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, have I went an hour and a half away and I reinvented myself. Did you? Oh, oh did yeah. You? Yeah. I just went to the Madison. I went to University of Wisconsin Madison. And you reinvent yourself. It's so weird. And you hope that you don't run into anyone you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a woman, uh, Suzanne, uh, she was in school there and she also was from Philadelphia, but, um, she became English overnight. Oh, so did she? Hello, Craig. <laughs> How was your holiday? I go, you mean my vacation, (laughs) which I drove you back to Philadelphia, (laughs) the 300 miles when you had a normal Philadelphia accent. And now, hello, Craig. And how are you? Is it the last time she hung out with you? Because she wanted to be that person, right? Because I was on to her. She she couldn't full on do the accent. I was even saying, what the hell are you doing? Right, right. You know? But I was. I'm trying to be supportive, but I'm 18. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I ain't getting it. So, uh, I, I really had this, uh, just this urge inside of me to really get into musical theater. Mm-hmm. I had some failures with it as well, but, you know, I, I know all the words of lame is, but, but Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I connected with that movie when I was a little kid. And I believe that I know the reason that most of us connect to that movie. By the way, the, the film was made for, at that time, a lot of money, $2 million. And it didn't even make its money back. Wow. It didn't even make its money back at first. The wow. soundtrack didn't come out. It was 1939. didn't come out until right. 1956. There was no soundtrack. Wow. They, it was a completely different idea that they had on what it would be. It didn't win Best Picture. Yeah, uh, right. you know, in '39, it wasn't even up for Best Picture in '39 because there were so 39 many. '39 was films. a hell of a year, it, it though, was wasn't unbelievable. it? Unbelievable. <laughs> Gone with the Wind lost. I think in '39. I mean, there <laughs> it's was insanity. And uh, speaking of Clark Gable, Clark Gable was offered in a trade. Uh, Shirley Temple was originally supposed to be the part of Dorothy, and uh, he and uh, uh, not Claudette Colbert. She won the Oscar with Clark Gable, and for it happened one night in 1936. First. By the way, first film to ever sweep the Oscars. It that was a, that's a great Oscars. movie. I own it that. It happened one. one night. It was the only one ever that, that is until a... One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest to sweep the Oscars. Oh, with really? The best director, best actor, best What's actress. It? And then in '39, um, the actress is not Claude Colbert, but it was another actress was under contract with uh, like United, not United Artists, but anyway, Ooh. it was a trade offer for Shirley Temple, who was okay. under contract. But oh, this right, was MGM. Right. And because the actress died, that was it for the trade. It was like, it was like baseball players and, and the one died. And so that was it for the trade. So, so they, it went to Temple, Judy Garland, right. who signed when she was flat chested little girl. So now she's 16 and blossoming. They put right. a corset on her where oh. they had to have like a, a team of people pull this thing into place. Right, right. They had to make her back into 11. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Shirley Temple was the right age, but they also didn't like her voice. So they put, uh, you know, uh, Dorothy was, uh, Originally, uh, she was one of the Gale sisters. I mean, not the Gale sisters, the Gum sisters. Okay. And uh, she was had a great voice, and she mm-hmm. had sisters, and basically left the band to go have this huge career. They actually offered the offered them to have a reunion, like they were going to do a sequel. Yeah. And because she was so big, she didn't need it. She was uh-huh. she was doing so many other things. The rest of them needed it because it ruined their career. Judy Garland. Yeah, Judy Garland. She was this, in the Gum Sisters or something. Yeah, she was uh, one of th- three sisters. They had a, an act, that, like a vaudeville act, and that's so how her she actual was sisters. These were actual sisters. Yeah, and and she, she blew that's how she to, was, yeah blew them off to have her own solo career. And then didn't do the reunion because like, uh, she was too busy. Kind of like the uh, the uh, '30s version of the Osmonds. <laughs> right, right. That's or the Jacksons or what? yeah. So Michael took off. She right. did the same thing back then, but no one ever talks about it. You don't hear about you know. Tito gum. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. You don't ever want to know what happened to the gum sisters. And but, who's, um, but they broke up and she gets this, she gets this amazing, this amazing career, uh, tour de force for her. But it was not that well received at first. And here's something else. 
The movie was made a number of times before that. It was written in the, the turn of the century by Frank Baum, and everyone was after this story. They did about five versions in silent film. As a matter of fact, Laurel and Hardy, Hardy, yeah. he played the Tin Man in the 19, uh, I think, 35 version or 25 Have version. you seen all the versions? I haven't seen all the versions. I can't okay. even get a hold of them. I'd like to get a hold of them because here's the thing is the core story of it, I believe, is and this is why it's lasted over time, is it's, it's, it's the story of everyone. Everyone has this journey. And here's what it is. We've had this position in our lives where, where, where things are dark and dreary. Remember the first scenes are in black and white and right. she's in Kansas and everything's bad. Right. And we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We've all had that place where it's, it's just like, oh my God, poor me, pity me. Everything's all about, she's dreaming about the rainbow far, far away. We have those dreams right. about what's going to happen far, far away. It's never where we are. So yeah. she's not appreciating anything. She's living with her aunt and her uncle. That's never explained, by the way. She's got these, you know, I'll make a dime bag out of you. She's got these farm guys, and it's dusty. And and then Miss Gulch. Miss Gulch represents everything in our lives that goes against us, that goes against our wishes. And oh, our the bad guy. And yeah, they're the bad. She's the, the, the dark. She takes the dog, her one love of her life. She has this one love that she she cares for and cares for her back, and it's unconditional love. And she oh, and takes it away dog. from her. It's the dog. Okay. She takes the dog away. Miss Gulch. And, uh, she's like, and she also represents the power people, the power. Remember, she owns the land oh, where right, they, right. you know, uh, the, the aunt Annie M says, you know, if I weren't a Christian woman, I'd tell you, you know, and it's so wow. she represents the power that we all have to deal with in life. You know, the, the industry and corporations, big corporations of which we are subject to all of their crimes and their, you know, white collar crimes and fraud and so forth. So she then uses her power to say, I'm taking this dog. The one thing you love, I'm taking it away from you. Right, right. She takes the dog away. The dog escapes. She comes back. And this is where our life goes into a tailspin. And it's happened to all of us. It goes in, in she gets hit in the head and you know, the house starts going in. And how many of us haven't spun in our time? Right. You know, for me, it was drugs and alcohol, you know, and, and I was in that position and then you end up in rehab and with these annoying munchkins that say, go follow the 12 steps of the yellow brick road. <laughs> and it's like that represents the rehabilitation that she, she gets there. And, um, and there's this, this whole, uh, ideas, all of her ideas are all being played with it. Suddenly she sees things in color and she sees, she hears that a witch is not really a witch that remember she says, you know, I'm not a witch at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. And they say, you don't look like a witch. You don't look like a witch. And right, they all right. laugh because, you know, what is a witch supposed to look like? It right. only looks like what we deem it to be. What we deem evil to be looks right. like this. Okay. But it doesn't. So then they say, go follow this path. And on that path, just like all of us, again, this represents all of us in our journey, in our life. Mm-hmm. In our lives, we are made up of mind, body, and spirit. Okay. And that's scarecrow, tin man, and lion. It's brains, okay. heart, and courage. Right. And that's so she first and you can't go on this journey alone. You have to go with somebody. So you have to go with your brain, with your heart and with your soul. And she runs across him and he goes, they took my arms and they threw them over there. I mean, he's he's he's, he's just thinks that he can't go anywhere oh, right. without help. Mm-hmm. So he needs he needs someone to go along this path with him. Do you think my dreams will be fulfilled by this promise that's out there uh-huh. that we've all had as well. We believe these things. We believe society and the news and the one books thing that that's going to fix us. We think that we're going to get fixed, right, from the outside, right. And then gradually, then we get, then it's about our body. And it, look, if you don't have a good mind, you have to work on your mind at all times. If you don't work on your body and mm-hmm. you don't work on your spirit, if something's out of whack, you're out of whack, and you're not going to ever fulfill these dreams. So the next one is the heart, and this guy needs someone with an oil can to keep him going. Right. So together they're going on this journey, and the lion really represents me the most. And I was talking about it earlier about how I'm this, you know, I'm a six foot two, over two hundred pound white male, you know, pretty good build yeah. and and so forth. And I look like this king of the forest, but yeah. in the meantime, I'm just a dandelion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not gay whatsoever, but I love to be around gay people. I mean, mm-hmm. it's something that really that, that resonates with me. I don't like being the king of the forest. I don't want to be a leader. But right. I have to be because I'm deemed to be because of the way I look. Like there's a lot of expectations, there's expectations. from that. This guy has complete expectations. When the right. meantime, he goes, he's, he's oh, afraid. What'd you, what'd you hurt me for? <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying that was mean. You know, right. the little dog was mean. Yeah. So now they go. 
on this journey together. It's like they're holding hands. We've all been there in our lives where we say, geez, come on, let's all, let's all get together and let's fulfill these dreams together. And they, they see in the distance, they see their answer. There it is. It's Oz. It's the Emerald City. It's mm-hmm. lit up and it's beautiful. It's something they've never seen before. But then they have a little slip in their little, and they go through an opium field. <laughs> right. Poppies make you sleep. Poppies yeah. make you sleep. And then the light comes down. That's what saves us. And always in our lives is the light. Yep. The light comes down and you see the good witch gives them a little reprieve of which we have those in our lives all the time. The light comes in, gives you a, uh, another chance. So now you have another chance and they wake up. Remember, they're going to sleep. You know, right. the, the snow comes down forever. and she helps out. And then they get to Oz. Yep. And then that is very typical of our journey is whenever we get to somewhere for the first time, whether it's your first time, um, you know, cleaning up your life or whether it's your first relationship with someone that really is refreshed and fresh. And it seems like that's what you want mm-hmm. or anytime that happens or, or we get the gig that we want. It's always merry land of Oz with horses of a different color. <laughs> ha 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 ho ho. Right. A couple of la dee da's. Mm-hmm. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> and they're just so happy. They're getting haircuts and it's all about outside stuff. Right. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. When we get those things in our lives that are handed to us, it's about outside stuff that we think is going to fix us. Right. And it does. They are so happy. Remember, he gets bows. <laughs> right. He gets bows in his hair and she gets new, uh, new gingham dress and, yep. and so on. And they're just, he's getting new stuffing and, yep. and they're, you know, they're, they're, the giving, tin they're simonizing him, you know, the yep. tin man and they're just so pleased. But then they realize, wait a minute, our dreams aren't going to come true from having bows in our hair. Like, wait a minute, we got to go see what we're here for. Mm-hmm. We're here to go home, and we're here to get a heart. We're here to get a brain. We're here to get courage. So then something else happens where, if you remember this, sky writing. What's written in the sky? Do you remember what was written in the sky? I don't. By the witch? It was oh. sky writing. It was something like, uh, send me Dorothy? Or? Surrender. Surrender. Dorothy. Okay. And that. And I wrote a book about this is the whole key to life is surrendering. You got to surrender old ideas. You have What's to the name of your book? It's called Grace Book. It's a long, I'll, I'll get, uh, we'll, we'll I'll link you. it. We'll link it. Uh, well, I'm not, it's not out yet. And it's the greatest thing I've ever written, but it, most of the book is about the end is about surrender because you got to surrender to being right. You got to surrender to ideas that you thought were going to propel you into another dimension. Whatever it is, it's surrender is a very big key in life that most of us don't do because we're taught that it's weak. It's right. not weak to surrender. It's the exact opposite. And you'll find out in the story. So here's what happens. They go to the wizard and he goes, no, you have to go. See, life isn't that easy. You got to go be of service to everyone else. And you have yeah. to look at your demons right in the eye. You have to look at your biggest fears in the world and bring back the representative of that is the, the stick, the broomstick of the wicked witch of the West, which is like, are you kidding me? I can't do that. And, right. and remember the lion runs and then suddenly he's brave. I'm like, if I were king of a forest. <laughs> and he starts dreaming again. Yeah, not yeah. queen, not duke, not prince. Mm-hmm. And he's taking a regal robe to the forest. Mm-hmm. We'll be caught, not sat, not chintz. <laughs> You are on board, each thing, be it fish or fowl, for royal And he's just feeling so wonderful about himself. But then it comes time to do it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have to face these fears. And what happens? They get attacked. You know, the darkness, the, the darkness, the monkeys come and they tear them apart. They took my arms and I threw them over there. They took my legs and they threw them over there. What do they do? They get together. They get together, mind, body, and spirit, and they come up with a plan. They come up with a plan, and then they see the Winkies there. And you know what they're saying, by the way? But do you, do you remember? Do you remember that? What are the Winkies? The are Winkies the are monkeys? the soldiers. Oh, okay. The soldiers. You remember them with the big hats? Yeah. It looks like they're guarding Buckingham Palace. Oh, yeah. Right? Do you remember what they're saying? No, Most no. people don't realize what they're saying. All, we, all I heard when I was a kid was, oh, we owe. Yep. Oh. Couldn't understand what they're saying. You know what they're saying? Hmm. We owe her. Oh, we owe. We owe her. Okay. They owe the power. Have you read the book? They owe, oh, of course. Okay. They owe the power. Mm-hmm. The power is the industry. At that time, it was, this book was written when it was all about the gold standard and industry mm-hmm. and so on and peasants and things like that. And this was, we owe her. Right. And we They're still serfs. to this day, yeah. we still to this day, mm-hmm. that's what Occupy is all about was we were trying to give ourselves power because we don't owe them. 
We don't owe the Wall Street or the bankers or the corporations like they're going to come up with the answers for us. Right. And that's how we act. Half mm-hmm. of the people act like that. They're right. winkies. Mm-hmm. So they are, they bow to, they bow to this power. Right. They've given in to the evil, but they're not even asking any questions like saying, this doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, she puts me in a dungeon. You know. So, uh, <laughs> it looks like things are bleak and dark. And then, and then here's the thing about life is life is simple. You know what it took? It took just a little bit of water and she melts away. The fears melt away. And then the fear comes, oh my God, all these other people are going to turn against me. It turns out they're now free. Right. And then, Long live Dorothy. Yeah. And Dorothy's shocked by this. It's like, I thought you were going to kill me, basically. Now they're going, hey, we're with you. We're mm-hmm. with you. And here's the broomstick. And go back to the wizard and get everything that you want. They go back to the wizard. And then the wizard also represents false deities. He's a false deity. They are bowing to this dude, and he's just a guy behind the curtain. Right. And he admits to that, his humility. He finally says he's discovered. And then he gives him these representatives that we give in life. We give these badges and you know, the ticking clock and so right. on. And then she says something that's very much like me. And I identify with it since I was a kid. Oh, there's nothing in that bag for me. Yeah. And I've always thought that in my life. There's just nothing left for me because I've, you know, there's never world. enough, never enough. Yeah. And everyone else is getting it and I'm not. Right. And they're getting, wow, he got that badge. And, it's, and I'm always, I'm like Dorothy. I'm going, good for you. Good for, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm happy and that's for me. you. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm codependent and I get my, <laughs> my own feelings out of other people's happiness. Right. But then when it comes down, it was, wow, there's nothing in that bag for me. And that's when the light comes down. That's when the light comes into our lives. If we allow that divine intervention, we allow the pause, we allow the light, whatever you deem your higher power to be, sure. comes in and enters into it and says, you've had the answers all along. Right. And we do. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go to anybody for them. They exist inside of us in that spirit that's inside of us that drives us, that divine spirit that we push away yeah. through fears and doubt and worry. We push, push that away. And she, and she doubts even that. And she, no, click your heels three times. And there's no place like home. Home is where the heart is. Heart is, the heart is within you. Mm-hmm. It's within you. You have this spirit. You already what, have the power to go home. Exactly. Yeah. Look what you've all done together as mm-hmm. one mind, body, and spirit. Look what you've done. Look what you've accomplished. You are already home and you already have your happiness. It exists right there. And you don't have to dream about a land far, far away, which is what she did. And she needed, and then he jumps in the scarecrow. I should have thought of that for her. Right. And no one can. No, no one, one can. can make this journey. No one can create a journey for you. No one can tell you how it's done. They can talk about how they've had it done. You can relate to certain aspects of it, but no one can. And that's why I love the Wizard of Oz so much is the symbolism and what it means to me at a very deep level. And I think that's why it connects with all ages until my kids came along and they're going, I can see the strings on the flying monkeys. Right, <laughs> right, right. They don't, they don't have special effects. Right. Well, what about what about when they came home? So the, she gets home. Yeah. And she's psyched. You know, she's like, she can appreciate her aunt and uncle. She can appreciate her friends. That's right. And uh, she got the dog. Mm-hmm. What happens with the, the old lady who owns the land? Well, she's not even brought into it. And by the way, in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, Margaret Hamilton was not originally cast. It was a really hot woman named uh, uh, <laughs> Odegaard or something, uh, Sarsgaard. She was a big actress and she saw herself in the makeup and says, I'm not going to play this part. So Margaret Hamilton, who loved the books of Oz, Mm -hmm. by the way, Oz was Frank Baum wrote it and he looked at his filing cabinet and the filing cabinet had a little label. It said O to Z, O dash Z. That's how he came up with Oz. And there's a bunch of filing cabinet. I mean, there's a series, right? A series of, of Oz of the books. And he held out, by the way, for this movie for a whole load of money at the time. They saved it by not paying the munchkins were paid 50, 50 a week. Most of the munchkins were from other countries trying to get away from the Nazis. And uh, they're all dubbed except for two munchkins. Only two munchkins are not dubbed, and it's only for one line a piece. The rest of them are dubbed because they didn't even speak English. Because they're immigrants. Because they, they, they were immigrants English. fleeing the, the Nazi persecution. Correct. Because the Nazis can't take any sort of non, like they're. It's <laughs> Somebody not just different, the Jews. You mean? <laughs> yeah, someone who might be four feet six or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's and by the way, cool. the myth of someone hanging themselves in the back. I'm sure you've heard about that. No. And, and if you ever watch The Wizard of Oz, there's a scene right after they pick up the Tin Man. Okay. There's something going on in the back. Yeah. The myth for probably 50 years was yeah. that one of the munchies was hanging himself, committing suicide. And it's not true. 
it was a bird that escaped. They had some wild animals and it escaped and it's a big giant bird huh. in the background. If okay. You, you'll see it. It's all done on a soundstage except for one scene in the very beginning with clouds. And that's the only thing that was done outdoors. Everything else was a soundstage. In an earlier episode of The Dork Forest, I think it was with Jerry Beck, he talked about um, a musical number that was uh, never, that was that was in it. Oh, that was going to be... Um, well, you can hear swing the, dancing, or it was everything was really cut, and some things were cut out. That's exactly right. They have a swing uh, swing dance. I think it was with. Uh, but there's a link in in, in the Jerry Beck episode of because it's on because there was video, but it was video yeah. of just someone who happened to be on the set, mm-hmm. and the, like none of the actual footage remains. Mm-hmm. So all they have is them rehearsing. Somebody just they have audio. Out. They have audio of it, and I've and I, heard the audio of. Um, well, for instance, the original, you know, Buddy Ebsen right. was the original oh, right. Tin Man. That's right. He was allergic to the makeup. Ray Bolger, who ended up playing the Scarecrow, okay. he wanted to be the Scarecrow. And he ended up with that part. And because, and then Jack Haley stepped in, whose son, by the way, married uh, Judy Garland's daughter. Liza Jack Minnelli? Jack Haley Jr. married Liza Minnelli, yeah. And does Liza Minnelli talk to her aunts at all who were... Gums, by her mom. Yeah. I've never heard about the gums ever I since. I had never heard about the gums. We should start Googling the gums. I might, I might need to do a link on the gums. Yeah. And or link to the, the there's a, there's audio of Buddy Ebsen doing the original If I Only Had a Heart. Oh, really? Yeah. You know who he was? He was, uh, yeah, he's a great dancer and, uh, and he was uh, a big uh, hoofer and yeah. he really resented what, what went down there and he was supposed to be, he wanted to be the scarecrow. Oh, and he ended up, they put him in that makeup and he can't him, he do was it. It had aluminum in it and Jack Haley apparently was not allergic to it, but he was, they had to rush him to the hospital. Margaret Hamilton was also rushed to the hospital. She comes up on an elevator in that smoke. Yeah. Her very first scene, uh, that was real smoke and she caught on fire. So she had to miss a couple of oh weeks my. of work as well. But they had a lot of tragedies and a lot of things were going on. Recasting. W.C. Fields was originally supposed to be the wizard. Oh, okay. And uh, contract and they tried to write his part more. That's actually how they ended up. The wizard, uh, Frank Morgan, plays six parts in the movie. Yeah. You know, he's right, right. Because he's the, right, he's the, the guy. Guy. horse yes. a different color. He's yep. the, yeah, he's all of those parts because they were trying to rewrite the thing so W.C. Fields would be happy. So they originally wrote that. Shirley Temple was going to – there was a lot of original casting. Ed Wynn was supposed to play the, the lion. Okay. And, I remember that. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Ed Wynn. No. He'd be perfect. He'd he be, would yeah. – I have this question about, yeah. about, uh, did you ever see Wicked or read that book? I love book? Wicked, yeah. Wicked, cause that one is essentially from the Wicked Witch of the West's That's perspective, right? right? Yeah. And, and which is a, again, um, a story of how- Another parable of, how of how finding we, yourself? And also how we, we create evil. Yeah. I remember when, uh, we went to, uh, war with Iraq, I was so, I had a visceral response to George Bush calling countries evil called Axis of Evil. He named three countries. Right. And I remember I had a response in my gut. I said, oh, you just called like a little baby is now being born in Baghdad and you're calling him evil. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a baby. Yeah. How can you call an entire country? What are you teaching my kids? Yeah. I'm telling my kids, don't listen to this. Yeah. Because, and that's what that story is about, which was written by someone who I've met a number of times. You'll never believe who the writer of Wicked was. Who? Winnie Holtzman. Who wrote a television <laughs> show, uh, the one with Corky, uh, oh, my, my so-called life. My so- okay. I think that's what she wrote. With Corky, she, the developmentally disabled right. kid? And she ends up writing Wicked, which is just so out of the box. It's right, a right. beautiful story, Wicked, but it's the perspective of, I'm not Wicked. And here's how I turned out to be that way. And here's how I ended up filled with resentment is because of what you made me into and, right. and so on. Again, it's- she is not keeping keeping her side of the street clean. Though I am sorry <laughs> if she's just going to react on all that resentment. Yeah, that's what she did. A- <laughs> that, that's what she was doing. She was reacting to the resentments, and she just didn't know how to deal with it. Didn't have parents to help her. She didn't have a program, man. No, she didn't. That's a lot of people. They don't have a program. They white knuckle it. She was white knuckle, <laughs> or green knuckle in her case. In her case, she, she was, was green knuckling it. Yeah. Wow. But that's why I respond so much to the to the Wizard of Oz. I, I relate to the songs. I relate to the those missing elements in myself that, that were not there until today. I mean, today I'm madly in love with my wife. I am. I'm, How long love, have you guys been married? There's nothing funny about that, but 
the hilarity of, of I love of, her. The a, only bad news a is that's I, going well. I have yeah, <laughs> it's terrible, terrible for comedy. No, no, mine's going well, and uh, and I milk the hell out of it. <laughs> I got twenty minutes on Andy Ashcraft. Oh, it's great. I, I get. How long some have you guys been together? We've been together. We've known. We were friends for years. So I've known her for about ten, and we've been married for uh, four together for six. Okay. And um, you know, I have an ex-wife, and that's a that's a that's my mother of your children, or mother of two of them, and I have one with my now wife. Mm-hmm. And it's been really talk about a journey, a really tough journey with my ex. I bet really, really tough. But the only well, good news is that's where I get my material. <laughs> oh, that's a minefield. <laughs> I bet I could step anywhere, and that that's gonna blow. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I just look for the, I just look for what I can find, you know, find the humor in things and, you know, well, that's, whatever the I, yeah. situation is. That's what my goal is, is then to pass that on to my kids and pass it to myself. You know, I have to, I have to live like this. You know, I'm not going to stay in that space of, uh, you know, fighting back, defending. I've done that in my career as well. The comics that come after you start to defend. I just, I just, I move on. Well, the, and move it, forward. It, there's a lot of free time in your in your brain box if you don't fight all this stuff. But it is weird because there's there's like you know because there's so many comics and performers who have a lot of anxiety and they have yeah. a lot of um, clinical problems that yeah. they deal with with um, anti anxiety drugs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And there's met many several that I've met who need them. And but there's you know. Aunt Jackie uh, would like you to just uh, fucking get it together. I mean, I have some <laughs> old man politics where I'm like, why don't you just get off my lawn and get a job? Yeah. And but yeah. there's, but the, I am as sympathetic as as I can because I wake up sometimes, especially as I get older, with like a weird fear that everyone's going to die. Mm. You know, I'm like, oh, we're all going to die. I got and, that one too, and I got and, it bad. I can't stand that in me. Well, it's terrifying. Do you look at old. Old movies or old pictures, and think dead, 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 dead. Probably just about dead, dead, <laughs> no. dead, dead. <laughs> wow, is that what They're I have on to look oxygen to? right now? This is this is how I think. <laughs> you know it, who died today? I hate that. The day of this taping, Zig Ziglar died. Zig Ziglar, eighty-six, so not a career cut tragically short. Uh, but the thing is about Zig Ziglar is that he is. Um, he was a great influence of my childhood because oh. my father listened to those albums all the time. Salesman, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it's like, you know, sell the sizzle, not the steak. Mm-hmm. And you got to believe in yourself and this type of right. thing. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with the original know. Tony Robbins. Very much so. Yeah. V- very much so. All these guys are indebted to him. <laughs> and yeah. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. And, you and, know. you know, it's all just reformed and repurposed and redesigned. Yeah. And, but because before Zig Ziglar, yeah. there was a guy yeah. and it was probably Barnum well, and Dale, Bailey. Uh, Dale Carnegie. You know, um, I mean, oh, was he? Dale Carnegie was before that. Sure. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right around there. And then, um, oh. All uh, the great blank. circus yeah. guys and all the great, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, the that's Carl- going really far. Yeah, you can well, go I mean, to P.T. You- Barnum. <laughs> right, that's and, what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah, and and the Carl Rove of the McKinley. Um, <laughs> oh, who was that guy? The, he's Carl Rove's. Uh, met, um, he's oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was Goebbels. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> from Hitler. I'm, I'm sure he also loves a nice uh, there, the work of Rommel. But uh, <laughs> but the problem is Goebbels was the, the, the he was the spin doctor for the Nazis. You that's know that's right. right. He was the propaganda guy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I love the way that we use the word propaganda with Russians, and but you can't even come close to using it with us. Are you kidding me? Did that's you ever all read, it is? Did you ever read Mother Night? I think it is by no. Kurt Vonnegut. No. Uh, it's no. an amazing book. Quite honestly, I think it was wow. the first Vonnegut I read that. I fully understood because really? it's a linear. Uh huh. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like I enjoy in a because I I love Vonnegut. I'm not to say that I do not enjoy Kurt Vonnegut, but um, Mother Night is about a guy, a deep British mole in the uh, Nazi. Oh yeah. In the in the Nazi propaganda machine, and but he's a British mole, and so he's he's saving lives, but he uh, gets captured by the Israelis after the war mm. and taken for war crimes back to Jerusalem. Or Tel Aviv or something. And, um, and so it's a story of him in the seventies mm-hmm. as an old man going, no, no, I was a British spy. How can we, how, yeah. how can you not know that? And I'm not going to give it away because it's an, and it's an amazing movie with Nick Nolte. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Nick Nolte plays the guy. What's the movie called? Mother Night. I can't believe I don't know that movie. Yeah, because Nick Nolte's amazing, right? Well, Vonnegut, love Vonnegut does not translate to films so well. I don't think there's ever been a successful one. That one does just because of the linear nature of it. 
Mm-hmm. Like you can't but do. It, it, but I mean, it wasn't successful. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It was not successful. No. It was. I've never even heard of it. I'm a film buff. Right, right. And I love Nick Nolte. And you love Nick Nolte. It's a yeah. great movie. It is, um, it is unfortunate. Yeah, I don't think it was of any sort of, and it's, you know, it's Nazis and Jews in 1970. You know, it is not exactly the most cheerful film that you've ever, it, it, it isn't, you know, Quentin Tarantino, right. let's go out and kill Nazis. Right. It's something else entirely. Yeah. With, From the guy who sat through the Dresden bombing, a little bit, you know. Yeah. But so, there's these spin doctors that have been going on. And by the way, back to the Wizard of Oz, that's what that's yes, all please. about. He was a spin. He was a spin on um, this is what you're going to believe. And they people become mindless. And those are the people that exist in the Emerald City. And they didn't want to believe it. And even at the end, when he goes away, they're going. I always knew that that movie was more intense than I than I was watching. I believe that's <laughs> why it's so uh, it's of the ages that we all remember when we watched it with our families. It was around Thanksgiving time. And because they would show it every Thanksgiving. Every I remember Thanksgiving. That. And now, unfortunately, the tradition's gone. I've got my kids watching it. And they're, oh, they're starting to get a they little, it. they're starting to get a little better. Well, I own it, of course, you know, right. that, with the extras. <laughs> of course. And, uh, you know, I'm just a freak for it. And <laughs> my kids are starting to get it now. Why, um, I, I wean them. I wean them on classic movies that I think that they're going to be okay with that really can stand the test of time because you have to understand these kids are playing video games and they're real. They're real. They're almost like it's 3D. And yeah. that, but they, they, if sometimes they really have to suspend their disbelief, their, their, exactly because they're seeing the strings on the monkeys and and the, but, you know the, the I don't know if you know this, but the tornado worse. was actually a, a, a sock. It was a oh, no. stocking. It oh, was, was a it? stocking. They twirled it around a model. I mean, oh, everything nice. was done with models, and you know, it was just. I did see that. I I know that it was models and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think that the worst thing that's that that kids where you have to genuinely curate the black and white movies that they're introduced to is not video games, you know, because you're like, yes, it's in black and white. Just fucking sit there yeah. and watch bringing up baby and you will enjoy it. I promise you. But the, um, <laughs> but the thing I am, I have a niece, so, yeah. <laughs> that, and she loved it. But the thing That's is, great. is yeah. but she was like 11 or 12 at the time. So girls are also better at that. Well, more and, mature as we know. <laughs> well, yeah. And it had, it had a, a better chance, but I think what ruined her more for that kind of stuff was not, the is sort of the Disney Channel sitcoms that are there because there's a thousand of them. Yeah. And there is no adult content. Absolutely none. I don't yeah. know if you ever saw High School Musical. You have boys. Probably not. No, no, have you? I did. Oh, oh yeah. you did. I there's, actually liked it. Uh, it's okay. Believe it or not. Yeah, I liked it. The but next if you ones com- were terrible. The sequels were awful. But the first one was actually pretty good. And that's Zach Efron is a real talent. And so is she. Very likable. Yeah. Very likable. Yeah. Uh, cute movie. I watched all three of them in a, in a day. I watch movies in a different way with the kids. I just hope for like hot girls. Oh, do you? Yeah, to keep You're me like, going. Oh, look at that. Like, I, even, bet, even I like, think she's actually 18. It's yeah. all going to work out. <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> how I justify it. I go, well, that girl, I know that one of them is in her 20s. She's, right. There's no she's way that she's playing 16, but there's no way. So like when they're doing a pool scene, I mean, at least at least it keeps me going. You know, I, I have to have something. I remember one time I was watching um, Craig all three kids. very been, honest. All yes. three kids have been in a Barney the Dinosaur. Okay. Okay. So I'm sitting there one day. Now the third one's into it. Now this is really boring. Now when you're going through it with three generations, basically. Right. And I'm sitting there one time I'm going. This is a rerun. I've seen this before. And then I go. I know how it ends. And then I start doing the math. I'm going, oh, and Hannah, she's going to be about 24 now. So now I'm Googling. Her real name is Marisa. And she goes to Texas Tech. I'm, wow. I'm fine. What does she look like now? She was a cute little girl. I got sure. nothing else to do. No, no. It's not you... like I'm perverted. I just said, I'll bet you she turned out good looking. And she did. And so it came She's married past. now. I went to the wedding. But there, anyway. And you, yes. And it's, but it's. Yeah, I mean, there's not, I don't even know where to go with that. Well, there's, besides to catch a predator, is that what you think? But, uh, no, I mean. And we're at an hour, which makes me go, we're not ending it there. No. It's not happening. <laughs> no, no, not ending it. Let's end with Les Mis. We can end Belgium, with Les Mis. At no. last, we see each other plain, Monsieur Le Maire. What is, okay, so you said Wizard of Oz, uh, Les Mis, and what was the third one? I forget. Andy Griffith Show. Oh, the Andy Griffith Show. Which was another one I was brought up with, with that humor. Is is I loved it. My first comedy bit ever mm-hmm. was I would smoke pot with my friends. They would hand me the joint and say, do an impression of da 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 And they would name someone, and I would try to do the impression. So it ended up my first mm-hmm. comedy act 
was celebrity okay. smoking pot in Mayberry. So oh. how to, uh, starts off with, well, that's some good stuff you got there. I'm telling you, you must have got this reefer in Mount Pilot. I'm telling you, this is good. Ooh, 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 damn good reefer, Andy. How about it, Andy? Andy, there are seeds in my marijuana, Andy. That's damn good reefer right there, Floyd. I got the munchies. That was my first comedy bit. <laughs> Excellent. I had an amazing bit about how I thought maybe Batman and Robin were gay. Oh, I did too. I did too. observational. I did Everyone that one too. Did. It was 1984. Yeah, the Batpole, Alfred, right, right. who's Alfred, he? The yeah. tights. Well, yeah, it was <laughs> fascinating. Fascinating discussion about the stereotypes of. I uh, dropped that one fast when you. When you're backstage and you're, you know, warming up or getting ready and then you walk out and you do the bit and there's no one laughing and go, the last guy just did it. That was the end of that. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's it. I mean, it was just like <laughs> early days. You just keep writing. Sure. Just keep writing. That's yeah. all. The and, Batman's a natural though. Right. Right. That's that and Ellie Mae clamp it. That oh was yeah. A big one. We and Scooby Doo. We yeah. had a big Scooby Doo. Uh, there was a, there was a big Scooby Doo moment. Ladies and gentlemen, you have listened to Craig Shoemaker who, uh, Loves, and I think we've established that you enjoyed The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Nice work, man. Click your heels. There's no place like home. Thanks for being on the show. Somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> Mexican hat dance. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?